In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my large-eyed manga companion is the one and only... Travis Ratz. <laughs> Travis and Ratz, you and I on the ones and twos, here today on the Comic Exposure Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've tuned in before, you know what we're about, but if this is your first time, ladies and gentlemen, I want to break you into what the Comic Exposure Podcast is all about. It's about comics. Mm, tell it. Break it down, brother. On today's episode... We're not going to talk about a comic book in specifics. What are we going to be talking about? We're just going to bullshit about comic books. Oh, I love the way you say bullshit. <laughs> we're going to we're going we're to talk a little bit about comic books today uh, on the Comic Exposure Podcast. Every other week, we do a uh, graphic novel or a trade, and we do a comic book club, like Oprah's Book Club, but way cooler. Yeah. And uh, on the in betweeners, way wider. Way yes, <laughs> we are <laughs> on the exact opposite end of the spectrum, even from Oprah. Oprah. Yeah. O- Opa. <laughs> so Deepak, Deepak Chopra. De- Deepak. 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 I don't know. That went to a turn. So, but on the in-betweeners, the weeks in-betweens, like the one you're listening to right now, uh, we just talk about what's going on. We've got some interviews. We've got an interview today, right, Travis? We do have an interview today. We have an interview with the uh, creative team behind uh, Souls Eternal. Uh, they are releasing number one, uh, first volume of their uh, series. It's called uh, Izanami Children. And we have Bodane, the writer, and Roberto, uh, the artist, uh, joining us today and a little bit further down on the episode. All right. And I, so that's why you've got to stay tuned. You got, I know you want that good stuff. That, but to get to that, that good, good stuff, stuff you, you got to hear this stuff. You got to get through the crap first. You got to get through this you gotta, stuff. You got to slog. You got to slog. And I, I know you're thinking, don't you hit that fast forward button. Don't. Don't I, you hit that fast forward button. 15 seconds at a time. That's don't right. do it. You know what? I'm going to drop that interview in at a random spot. Maybe, we'll maybe we'll be towards the middle maybe we'll be towards the end maybe we'll do it right now no we didn't do it and right we're now. back <laughs> <laughs> so uh so travis let's let's start today let's let's start the old the old podcast the old the old podcast off the old today podcast. Uh, we are in the midst of comic book summer That's uh, right. with comic exposure ladies and gentlemen if you don't know you're not following us on twitter i'm gonna tell you get yourself a twitter figure it out at whatever your name is yeah you know figure out something you don't, like 420 you know, munchies, whatever you want to name yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you follow us on the. Can com- I make a suggestion? Yeah, yeah. Number one comic exposure fan. At number, At one, number comic, one comic exposure, comic exposure fan. fan. The problem is that's going to take up a lot of space on there whenever they tweet something. But you know what, guys? Uh, if you are the number one comic exposure fan, that wouldn't be that big of a deal. Do it. Do it. Do Just it. do it. Don't so, be so, anyways, we're in the midst of comic book summer. If you don't know that is, uh, we pick uh, like six books to get us through the summer to a month, uh, roughly. I think there might be more than that this summer. I'm ca- I'm counting our live our live issue of Saga. Well, I don't know as why you wouldn't. Summer. It was one of the best episodes we ever had. I, I you are right. When you get a live studio audience in the palm of your hand, That's right. oh. and they laugh at your jokes. Oh, 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 oh man, oh. like half a chub the whole time. Man. Nerds, they're all <laughs> nerds. So so we uh we, we're in the midst of comic book summer, which means that right now, as you're listening to this, these are the books we've talked about so far. We've talked right about here, right now. Huh? Talking about comic book history. No. All right. So um, the, 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 uh, the first book we did, uh, Volume 1 of Saga, live at Phoenix Comic Con. If you've read it, 
go back and listen to that episode. If you haven't listened to it, do it. If you have listened to it, listen to it again. It's and it's, good. And it's, we really only talk about the first yeah, volume. Yeah, just the first episode. volume. So, so don't worry about it. It's not very spoilery. If you, if you only more read that, the first, you can listen to it and enjoy it. Then the second book. second book we did was... Uh, I Hate Fairyland. I Hate Fairyland. My, yeah. my wife stepped up to the plate. Oh, that was a funny one. Took one for the team <laughs> yeah. and came on the podcast <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> last minute. Because we had a guest, yeah. guest not work out, so, so she came on. That's a good one. It's always good to hear my wife make fun of me on the podcast. So you can do that. You can you can enjoy if that's your thing. If you like women humiliating men, if, if that's, you like strong, independent women and docile, <laughs> docile, <laughs> nerdy men, <laughs> then you are in luck. That's a podcast. You podcast. You're looking for. Man. Uh, listen to I hate fairy Man podcast. Then we just we just did our third episode. Correct. That's correct. Descender Volume One. Tin Stars? Is that the name of it? Tin yep, that's stars? out. It's out there. Yeah, yeah Tin Stars it's, Volume 1. It's out there. So Descender Volume 1. Go listen to that one. That one's a peach. Uh, we had a little bit. Our guests didn't love it, uh, but we can all agree that the art in Descender is beautiful. Let's address that. Let's yeah. address that right here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so when we uh, – you, if you've been listening for a while, you know the format, and you know that we typically get uh, someone in our circle uh, when we're reading or, or you know, someone – we've had guests from Twitter and things like that. Yeah. So – Oftentimes we know the guests at least a little bit. Sometimes they're a few times they're strangers uh, or just Twitter friends, but we don't know their opinion going. We don't know their opinion of the book going. Yeah, into first it. rule of uh, comic exposure: don't, don't talk about don't comic. talk about comic books before the comic exposure episode. Exactly, and uh, we don't. Josh and I don't even do it. But um, since Josh and I, we, we love the medium of comics so much that. Uh, when we are critical, we try to be constructively critical, yes. and we look at the what we liked and what we didn't like. Uh, and because we're such dorks, we typically – it's like I hardly ever go see a bad movie. Yeah. You know, it, it just doesn't happen. Like, I, I always find something that I, I really love about it. Um, and so I, I think in, in general we, uh, we are pretty critically constructive – uh, about the books, yeah. at the same time being truthful. So I'm never going to couch my opinion, but at the same time, um, very few times will I be aggressively. <laughs> very few times. Only one Only one book. Only one book. Maybe yeah. two. Maybe two. I, a, a little She-Hulk. A little She-Hulk. Okay, a little She-Hulk, yeah. And Your then, wife was egging me on. I know, though. because my wife <laughs> does that. We just went over this. Strong, independent <laughs> woman. Right. Weak, docile man. That's going to happen. <laughs> Uh, so we uh, we did we did Descender. Uh, we can all agree that we love the art on it. You should go back, listen to that podcast. That's the one that's up right before this. Uh, and coming up on the show, yeah, next week we're we're gonna be doing um, all my ghosts, all my ghosts from Alternate Comics. I've got an interview uh, from Jeremy Massey, who is the uh, writer and artist on it, full creator on that bad boy. Uh, he will be on the week after that, so he'll be on our in betweener episode after that. Uh, we've got Andre the Giant coming up. We've got Paper Girls coming up, Volume One of Paper Girls, and we've got the newest volume of Doctor Strange. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. Jason Aaron. And the the artist name escapes me, but I I do I'm gonna um, we don't talk about it beforehand, but I, I dig the art. Yeah, on yeah, it, so, yeah. Okay. Um, the name name escapes me, and it's probably because it's a tough one to say. It, yeah, yeah. So so uh, <clears throat> that's our uh, that's our summer of, uh, read. Yeah, that's that's comic book summer right there. So check that out. If there's some books on there that you haven't picked up, you haven't looked at. Go find them on the Amazon. You can always find them for dirt cheap. Uh, I went to uh, D.C. and I essentially read uh, three of the books that we needed to read uh, while I was in D.C. Um, so, And just, I am all done except for uh, Doctor Strange. I'm still, um, I'm still about halfway through Doctor Strange. Yeah, so. I've, got, I've got two of them left to read. I've got to reread Andre the Giant because I haven't read it in a while. And then I'm going to read uh, – got to reread Paper Girls. So two of them I've already read. I just got to reread them. Uh, so – 
Yeah, so that's uh, that's one of our house clean, yeah. cleaning items. The second thing is pretty cool. Um, what you know, uh, one of the things that we've done on the show through Twitter is we've we've given stuff out to our fans. Um, we have dubbed this the boot crate. Yeah, the boot crate. We've done a couple of boot crates, and one of the things, as you know, if you are a geek like Josh and I, is you accumulate a lot of geek stuff in your life. Yes, some pretty cool stuff. The problem is. We don't have enough place to store all these things. No, we don't. So uh, what we've done is we've um, we've created these boot crates where Josh and I go through. We pick pick out some things that we think are fun or silly or sometimes just damn right cool, <laughs> um, and uh, we uh, compile them together. Uh, Josh uh, puts in some of his original artwork too, um, and and then we um, we send that out to one of our our fans. And you open it up, and it's just like I tell you what—you never know what you're going to get. Exactly, and that's the best thing about getting a box uh, is fun in general. Getting a box where you don't know what's in it, but you know it's going to be geeky, stupid <laughs> stuff. I think is even more fun. Uh, I've looked at the curated stuff that you've pulled aside for this, <laughs> and there are some there's some gems in there, buddy. There's some yeah, gems there's, in there. Yeah, uh, Travis always has the old stuff. Like, and it's like, and by old, I don't mean like super, I mean like 90s old. Yeah. So like some wonderful, like 90s stuff. Uh, so I'm just going to throw it out there. You're going to get something. There will, there will definitely be some nostalgia yes, when you open this box A little, little, little nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so here's how we're going to run And it. Yeah. maybe even a little uh, comic exposure merch. Oh, that's a possibility too. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. You, you could get something. Maybe very, even a real boot. Maybe. A, I'm going to, I have an old boot. I'm going to put it in there. I'm going <laughs> to fill it. With comic books. Well, that's not bad. I'm going to roll them up and put them in the booth. Stuff. You know what you need to do? Rip the pages out, crinkle them, and then, then stuff them. That's a good I'm going to yeah. modge podge a boot. That's right. With just comic right. stuff all over it. Boot crate. So, so the boot crate. Here's how we're going to run boot crate this time, ladies and gentlemen. Here's, here's how we want you to do it. What I want you to do is I want you to go ahead and get on uh, on the iTunes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, this may throw out some people who have Android phones. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Get on your computer. You know you have iTunes on your computer. Write one. Everybody. It's like iTunes is like if you don't have iTunes on your computer, you and I, it's weird. But yeah. anyways, so go on iTunes. Find the podcast, Comic Exposure, the one you're listening to mm-hmm. right now, and leave us a review. And by leave, we mean you're going to have to write a review. You're going to have to write you a review. You can't just click the stars. I wish we could just do that, but yeah. it's going to be hard to know who you are if you do that. So, so go ahead. Go ahead. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to write a review. Okay, then, then here's the key part. There are two ways to let us know that who you are in that review. You can leave your Twitter handle in the review you wrote, which maybe you're not comfortable with. Maybe you don't want everybody seeing your Twitter handle. Yeah. If that's, if you're not cool with that, DM us at direct messages on Twitter and say, here's a review. I left. I just left a review. It says blah, blah, blah. Right. Like send us a message, copy the review, direct messages on Twitter. If you don't have a Twitter and you want to write a review, you can email us that you did the review with your name, all that good stuff, and say, here's the review I wrote. Copy and paste it in there. And uh, send it to comicexposure at gmail.com. Comicexposure at gmail.com. And that's how we'll know you did a review. And so everybody who fills out a review, we're going to put you in the random draw pile for the boot crate. Uh, I'm going to put this up on Twitter. I'll remind you guys a bunch of times. I'm probably going to do it for about two weeks so uh, i'm gonna put it on twitter today and so i will run it two weeks from when this episode airs got it so you've got about two and a half weeks 
because but we had about a half week from from me tweeting yeah. this out today. Uh, so you've got two and a half weeks to write a review. Let us know you wrote the review and go, dude, that's my review. Uh, and we'll put you in the drawing for a comic exposure boot crate. And they are random. It is a random drawing. This, yeah. We've had we've done this twice before. Twice. Both the winners are completely random. Yeah. They, they have both gotten their stuff. Uh, the and, second one got there a little late. That's on me. That's on me in the end of the school year. But he did get it. But this one won't because I'm mailing this yeah. one out. Travis is going to mail this one out. And he's not working right now. So. And I will not be here much longer. <laughs> yeah. So it will have to go out. It'll, it'll be perfect. It'll be yeah. perfect. So, so anyways, thank you for putting up with the house cleaning items. I know that was like 10 minutes of... Uh, we said it was going to be bullshit. We said we're going to talk about That's some right. bullshit. Bullshit. So there's your bullshit. And now let's talk about comic books. All right. So, okay, Josh, I'm surprising you with this. All right. You, you didn't are. know this was coming. I did not. <clears throat> I said I got a surprise for you. So uh, I had this book in my... Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I've had this book on my shelf for a long time. Someone got okay. it for me. Uh, it's called, one of those books that someone gets you, and you're like, "Oh, thanks." Well, it's it, when you when you have a com- comic book podcast. Yeah, people give you get comic you, books. Yeah, stuff. you're right. So <clears throat> this one's called "Why Does Batman Carry Shark Repellent?" Uh, and, haven't you seen that movie? One where he uses a shark repellent. Yeah, the 1960s. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Batman. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the answer to that question. Thanks for spoiling that. Oh, so uh, I guess I can't <laughs> use that question. Um, so it, it basically is like a bunch of facts, an interesting list about comics from like uh, the most influential creators to all that stuff. So okay. there's some fun ones in here. So um, we read trades a lot. Yeah. And basically trades are just a storyline, a story arc in yeah. a comic. So uh, in here – uh, they have uh, a page. It is going to be – here it is. Um, I want you to guess. So they have a list of the top five comic book storylines of all time. Now, this is based on a survey of uh, readers of comic book resources. Here are the top five. Uh, what are the top five favorite comic book storylines of all time? You want me to guess? Yes. This okay. is this is where this is where yeah. I look like a fool on my comic book. No, no, podcast. no, no, no. So you here, get, you you know at least five storylines. Here's here's my guess. Here's my guess. Dark Knight Returns. Okay. How would you like me to? Would you like me to tell you if you get it right off the bat? Uh, how many? Like I will guess more than five if you tell me. Okay. Okay. So you're. Uh, so I'm gonna tell you right now. Okay. You got one right off the bat. All right. Dark Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Returns is was the fifth fifth most uh um according to okay. readers best storyline uh days of future past days of future past is your second guess yes that is not okay is uh not. civil war civil war is not wow yeah 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 um let's go i will give you a hint okay. before you guess your last one we still got you one there's more five i guess three yeah so I have two more I have yeah two more. two more okay so i'll give you a hint before the last one. Oh, but not right now but before the last i'll one. give it i'll give it to you now okay um, there, uh, you said Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Uh, there is another Batman storyline on the list. Uh, Killing Joke. Ooh, good one, but uh, that is not on the list. What's the Batman one on the list? The Batman is uh, Batman Year One. Oh, that, I know you should have said another Frank. There's another Frank Miller one on well, the list. Well, I didn't want to be too obvious. <laughs> All right, so I'm left with one last guess. I want well, to... uh, here's, here's another okay. hint. Okay. There is another Frank Miller on the list. There's another Frank Miller on the mm-hmm. list. Uh, it's Dare. It's a Daredevil. Born again. Okay. Written by All Frank right. Miller and drawn by David. Uh, Do we read the Born? No, we no, didn't, we didn't read yeah, Born yeah. Again. So, what are the others? What are the, so let's let's hear them. Well, you don't want to take one more guess. Uh, all right. So the next ones have nothing to do with Batman. Is there an X Men one on there? There's there n- is an X Men one on here. Oh, Excellent. Age of Apocalypse. No. No. The X Men one 
is the Dark Phoenix Saga. Oh, that yeah, there you go. Okay. I was going through like my So let's go let's go and so number 5 okay. was The Dark Knight Returns. Okay. Uh number 4 was Batman Year 1. Uh number 3, the number 3 best storyline according to the survey that I was giving out was Born Again, that Daredevil uh run okay. uh series by um storyline by uh, Frank Miller. How do, how does how does how does that rate? How does Frank Miller have 3 of the 5 best Listen, don't blame me. Blame the people who go to comic book resources. Right. Um, and uh, number two was the dark uh, oh, was the dark Phoenix Saga. Okay. What's number one? And number one, I feel like you should know this. Is it Superman? Is it a Superman? No. Think. It's not Frank Miller, but it's of Alan the Moore. Uh, what Alan Moore book would it be? Um, shit. The biggest one. Why can't I think of it? What is it? Watchmen. Oh, Watchmen. You know what? I'm gonna. You know why I didn't think of it? I didn't like Watchmen. Yeah. You know what? It's Watchmen is one of those books where <clears throat> you have to read it if you're a comic book. Fan. You you like? Yeah. I read it, but I think I read it, and the and the, I'm gonna say the same thing happened when I read Dark Knight Returns. Right. So there was this. I missed two periods of time. I missed the Dark Knight Returns when it came out. Period. And then in the 90s, I read comic books. Uh, I essentially read just image stuff, right? Like when that big image boom hit, that's when I started reading comic books. So I I read some, of the, I read the big stuff. I read Pun- I read Punisher and Wolverine, and I remember the Bane storyline, the the Nightfall storyline. Yeah, that was um, yeah, yeah. And Superman dies and, and funeral for a friend, like that that era of comic books was me. And then I fell out and got back as an adult again, right? Recently, recently, I mean, like four or five years ago, when mm. New Fifty Two came back, I think that's probably when I got back into comic books again. Not to read New Fifty Two, but that's about that's about the time frame. It's about five years now. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. I think I just read it in the wrong time period. Uh, yeah. It's it's also like you had that you had that same response to Dark Knight Returns yeah. by Frank Miller. Yeah. Um, and it is, I think, um, maybe the. It's just you know, so nihilistic, man. It's just so like. Like yeah, yeah. It, they're they're well constructed stories. No, and, and but, I guess that's what I'm saying. It's not that I didn't like the story aspect of it. I like the story aspect of it. It's just like comic books are a positive yeah. escape for me sometimes. Right. And so when there's something that's so like dour and like narrated by a guy who's like just. It's the same reason why we like more of a, a poppy punk. Yeah, it's, you know, exactly. as opposed to like uh, Deftones. Yes, you know, there's a, there's a reason for that. There's a yeah. reason why uh, I listened to a lot of pop punk in high school and not a lot of like. And I gotta tell you, the, have metal. you read the Dark Phoenix Saga? I have not read the Dark. Phoenix I've read the Dark Phoenix Saga, and you know, um, it's very Claremont, uh, and also a yeah, little dowry, a, a little dowry. Is, is there a volleyball scene in it? Um. There is well, there's some there's some good Dazzler stuff. Oh, I love me some Dazzler. <laughs> I do love me some Dazzler. Uh, so and Arcade, remember the guy Arcade, like who like uh, he wore a white suit. He's like a ginger. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, not bad, not bad. You you were able to get um, two unprompted, two out of, two out of five, and then three, one with yeah. a prompt. Yeah. Not yeah, terrible. and Not you were terrible. able to get in the ballpark like it's one of them next men. Yeah, yeah, you still got into the yeah. right. You got into the right, right. zone. All right, all right. Not too bad. So, so you're a little nervous there, weren't you? You're like, I was. You're like, I'm gonna have to stop doing this podcast. <laughs> People are gonna inside. make fun of oh, me. Yeah, this is the first podcast we're gonna have to edit. Yeah, where I look like a fool. We don't edit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Exactly. Unless there's like a complete like fuck up, then we don't edit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, okay. So all right, <laughs> I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. <laughs> we have our guests on today. Yes. 
are uh, it is a uh, a duo. Where where's this duo from? Um, you know, oh god, I think we talk about. You know, I don't know if we talk about this in the interview. Um, it's uh, Bowden and Roberto are um, they're you know uh, Bowden is writing um, uh, Souls Eternal and Roberto is drawing this book and they were kind enough to send me a, uh, a preview copy of Volume One. Yeah, there we'll, we'll let. Does you it know. say like preview copy on it? On like is it like watermarked? No. No, so I wouldn't they sold trust, that. They yeah, I you. sold that out. Right, right. <laughs> well, how do you think I got that new bike, brother? Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Um, and so uh, I got to read this, the uh, their first volume, and you know uh, we talk about a lot of things in this interview, uh, but one of them, it, you know, we talk about a lot is like the influence on okay. the art and the story. Uh, Bowden is <clears throat> a fan of Japanese culture and uh, you know uh, stories in that ilk, which he'll talk about some of those influences. And Roberto has a real uh, uh, manga style. Uh, mixed with some other things in there as well. So, of course, we spent some time talking about the Far East and its artistic uh, merits and, uh, and influences on them, uh, which uh, we'll get into in the interview. But it also is a great time to talk about um, – we've never really talked in this podcast how we feel about manga. This is something <laughs> this that is, we're we're gonna bear our soul yeah, about, gonna, about yeah. manga. Because I, you know, I to be honest, I I don't read a lot of manga. Uh, I, I don't. Either. I don't have I don't have a lot of comics that are, are drawn in that style. Um, even though I did spend eleven years in Japan, and so uh, I was curious about I was more curious about you, Josh. Like, where, what's your you know? Why don't you think you read more uh, art that has been influenced by uh, manga, th- or just is like straight up manga? I think you see a lot of. I think you see it sort of leech into a lot of modern modern comic book culture right now. Um, I think you see nods to it. Whether mm-hmm. it's like all these kids who played with Pokemon when we were younger are now writing comic books, so there's there's this there's this tinge of influence on artists where you see it just maybe a little bit. Uh, I mean, we read uh, we read Kaiju Max. And that is right. yeah, that yeah, is yeah, you know yeah, yeah. fairly. It's, I wouldn't say it doesn't look like manga, but it's definitely there's some there's some some jabs of manga. Yeah. In also, there. Apocalypto Girl. Yeah, Apocalypto Girl. Yeah, uh, has a little you know that, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. tweak of manga. In her, there. her design and also just kind of like the world a little bit yes. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I I think we see those influences a lot in modern in, in modern comic books. Um, personally, I don't I don't read a lot of manga because I don't love. The face, mm-hmm. the manga face for the whole thing, is not my bag. I, it's hard for it's hard for me to get into, and I think it's because like I'm uh, art speaks to me more than story speaks to me, right? And so it's just a style where there isn't a. And I don't want to say there. This is going to come out wrong. I don't mean that there isn't a style, but it is in of itself a manga style, mm-hmm. and so there's not a whole lot of. It doesn't seem to me, and this is probably as someone who doesn't read a lot of it. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of difference. Okay, from, yeah, yeah, from variation, one, yeah, yeah, From yeah. one manga artist to another, and that's probably totally wrong. Right, and it's hard, maybe, maybe. But from an outsider. Yeah, yeah, it's hard, it's hard for me to dig into it. it. Yeah, yeah. Now, that isn't, that's not to say that, I mean, I've, I've watched some, some stuff, so like, I, I've seen like the big hitters, right? I've seen A Ghost in a Shell, I've seen Akira, I've seen, uh. It's like anime, right? Yeah, anime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've seen like the big anime stuff that was kind of born out of manga stuff, right? So, um, I've, uh, 
I've read only a couple manga and those are things that were translated and I've read them because they were as a history teacher I've read them because they were about history stuff mm-hmm. so there's one called Barefoot Jen and it's this guy who writes a story he survived Hiroshima and so he writes a story about what it's like to what it was like to go through that experience mm-hmm. it's not his own personal story but it, it it looks like Speed Racer but everybody's skin is falling off oh, and God. there's a bunch of bloated bodies <laughs> everywhere <laughs> so it sounds like a fun read it, it actually it's, it's really good I used, to, I used it in my history classes when I taught uh, World War II we'd all we'd read a part of it uh, and then I've read I read one called Onward Towards Our Noble Death, which was made in the 70s. It's about uh, World War II soldiers, Japanese World War II soldiers. And it's straight manga or manga uh, translated into English. So both of them are. Um, I think the Onwards Towards Our Noble Death, actually, I have to read it backwards because they translated it. They didn't flip the page order. Oh, okay. So okay, you have to yeah, read yeah. it back to front, uh, right to left. And then the, the people who did uh, Barefoot Gen did me a favor and, and flipped it the other way so I could read oh, it. Oh, cool, cool. I could, I could read it in Western style. So, um, But, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't read a lot of it. I'm reading one right now, which is French manga. I'm reading a French one. I was in D.C. I talked about it on the last, uh, last variant episode. I was in D.C. I went to this comic book shop, and they said, oh, you might like this, because I had talked to this <laughs> the girl. <laughs> I had talked Excuse to this. Excuse me, son. You lost some French Would you like some French manga? French manga. So I picked up this French manga called The Last Man. Uh, I read it. Well, I was waiting for my flight out of D.C. I got home. I ordered volume two and three, and I just got to my house this week. So I'm going to read volume two and three this week. You know, so. I, you, you done some things there that I, I feel the same way about. You know, what? I, 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 I'm not opposed to the, the, the manga style of art. Uh, where I get thrown off is sometimes when they put the manga style of art, which I associate so closely with Japan and Japanese culture. Yeah. Because it was everywhere growing up. I mean, Japanese put comics on Front Street. They're ev- like, they're on every one of their snacks. Uh, <laughs> you know, you ride the subways. Every poster has some kind of anime manga character on everywhere. it. Yeah, it's just – it's just you everywhere you turn your head, yeah. there's a little uh, manga character. So I, you know, I associate it so close to Japanese culture that sometimes when people try to use manga, um, and like it's supposed to take place in like the old west, yeah, uh, and all the characters are drawn in like a manga style, I, I, it's an interesting mix. But for me, because I associate it so much with Japanese culture, that it, it throws off like. Like the westernness of the story. Yeah, for you growing up, yeah, yeah. And for you having grown yeah. up in Japan, I'm sure you have like a different. Which is surprising me that you don't have like a secret manga love since you grew up in Japan. Or I guess like you were on a military base, yeah. So it's different. You were with a bunch of like well western. I kids, attribute it so. to the same fact that people ask, you know, um, oh, you know, did you date a lot of Japanese girls, or like you must be really attracted to Japanese girls? It's quite the opposite. <laughs> I was surrounded by Japanese girls. So they weren't exotic to me. <laughs> and so maybe people like manga because it's like a little more exotic. But, you know, when you grow up around it, you're like, give me some. Uh, give me some life belt <laughs> pouches. <laughs> yeah, like, you know what? That does sound about right. I need but, someone with no feet and lots of pouches. But what's interesting about this is, you know, uh, um, uh, Souls Eternal, it, it does take place in Japan. Okay. Um, and uh, it is steeped in, like, that Japanese culture and mythology. And, I mean, they're even throwing in hiragana, katakana, the writing on there, which we talk about uh, in this interview. Uh, so it's a, it, it is uh, two non Asian creators going in, um, and what, which is why it's not that complete manga feel to it. Okay. Um, we talked to Roberto about you know uh, the uh, how maybe that might be a baseline for his art, but there's other things that are working there. 
and also uh, uh, Bowden with his storytelling. Um, it, he's got a, his own unique voice that doesn't, you know, um, reflect what you might read when you pick up like uh, uh, a typical manga book from that huge aisle in uh, Barnes, <laughs> Barnes and Noble. Noble, right? So, oh, uh, you know, and you mentioned Hiroshima, uh, you know. Uh, I've been, we've been hitting at this. We might have even said it in another podcast, but um, uh, I'll be leaving for Japan. My, I, I'll be teaching in Japan, so uh, we will continue to do uh, comic exposure. We shouldn't miss a beat, and you're going to get the same great comic exposure as you always do. It'll just be an international show. It'll just be an international show. So, so, so Travis is going to go work for the DOD, and uh, can I say that? Can yeah. I say it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, no, now I have to kill you. Department of Defense, yeah. Uh, Travis is going to uh, work for the DOD and teach on a military base and uh, teach the kids drama. Yeah, drama. In English. In English literature. Dude, you just couldn't te- You couldn't stay away from teaching. I couldn't. I had to come year, back. A year and a half out. You gave me too much shit. And you needed it so you badly. Gave me to, all your, all your, um, your moving teacher across the, Facebook posts yeah. really guilt-tripped me into going back into teaching. And now you're and now you're moving across the country. You know there are jobs in Arizona. There are like a thousand jobs. No, I want to get a paying job. <laughs> oh! I want to get one oh. of the pays teachers. Does that happen? That happens? Well, you got you got to take a plane <laughs> or a boat, but you can find it. <laughs> you have to live in a foreign country. That's right. And you're like, you're let's so you, you said speaking of Hiroshima, you yeah. are going to be near. Yeah, I'll be like uh, about a half an hour drive from Hiroshima. Okay. And you know what Hiroshima has? No. The largest manga museum in the world. Well, there you go. Yeah. That's so impressive. I'm going to be hitting that up. You know, maybe I'll drop. Uh, 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 I'll uh, buy one of those copies of uh, Souls Eternal that's coming out, and I'll bring it to the museum and just set it there and be like, "Here's a new addition to your collection." There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of which, uh, we're gonna kick it over to the interview now with uh, Bowden and Roberto. Um, so please enjoy the interview. Uh, stay tuned for the end of the interview where we give away how you can uh, connect with these uh, uh, creators and also uh, view and purchase their work. So um, without any further ado, let's kick it. Interview. Hold on to your butts. It's a comic exposure interview. Okay, I am here today with the creative team behind Souls Eternal. Uh, I have Bowden uh, Neswacheni, and he is the writer, and I also have the artist, Roberto Torres. Now, Bowden, Neswacheni, how did I do? You actually did perfect. I'm, oh, I'm proud, Travis. Thank very you. Very good, very good, very good. So welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. Uh, I'm excited to have you on today. I was lucky enough that uh, uh, Roberto and Bowden sent me um, uh, Souls Eternal, book one, the uh, uh, Izanami children, right? Izanami. Izanami, yeah. Izanami, yep. Yeah. So I actually spent 11 years in Japan. I'm moving there in a month, so I should really get these things down. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um, I, the first question I always ask gentlemen, I want to get into the book. I want to talk about what, what you guys have created here. But the first question we always ask on comic exposure to our guests who have never read books or to our creators who are creating books is the question, what, is, what was your first expo- exposure to comics? So uh, Bowden, I'm going to put you uh, on the spot first. What was your yeah. first exposure to comics? When I was a little kid, the first comic I remember owning, I got at an antique store. It was an issue of Godzilla that Marvel put out, and it was Godzilla was fighting the Fantastic Four for some reason. I mean, that's like my earliest memory of comics. Um, the comic book that really got me back into it 
in terms of being like a fan and somebody that looked at the art form like, wow, this is really interesting, was probably Warren Ellis's The Authority, oh, which, was the, uh, which was the sequel to his seminal Stormwatch run. Mm-hmm. Um, just the stories that he told with The Authority, the whole blockbuster paneling that he did with Brian Hitch. I mean, reading that, it was like, wow, you can tell these kind of stories in comics? You know, he he was always able to take that superhero story and and put a, a real kind of serious uh, twist on it. Not that there weren't fun fun moments in it, but Warren Ellis is he definitely takes has a serious take on the but, characters that he does. Yeah, in terms of comic as an art form, that was like my gateway drug. But was, I, you had me at Fantastic Four and Godzilla. Uh, <laughs> my co-host Josh is a huge kaiju and Godzilla fan, so he's he's going to be pissing himself that this book actually exists. My question to you is, do you remember The Killing Blow, how they took down Godzilla? Or was it one of those that became friends uh, in the end? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't remember that. I do remember that Godzilla had this ability to shape change. Like, he could shrink to be, like, the size of a raptor and grow as, <laughs> like, Godzilla. And I always thought that was so weird. I'm like, as a little kid, I'm like, this isn't right. Yeah. Cheaters. Cheaters. Too yeah. many creative liberties with this. Uh, I, I don't have a recollection of that. If I ever find the book, I'll be more than happy to send you some screenshots. Well, yeah, we're going to have to do another interview where we just talk about Fantastic Four and Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> Roberto, how about you? What was your first exposure to comics? Um, first exposure to comics, little kid, my mom bought me a Web of Spider-Man, number 32. Uh, I think it was like 87. And I read that while I was sick. And it was an amazing book. And ever since then, I've just been in love with comics. Yeah. What was it that grabbed you? Because, I mean, uh, as an artist, did, were, were you doodling at that time as a kid? or? Oh, yeah. I was. Um, I would doodle a lot of, like, well, at the time as a kid, the movie Gremlins was, like, really popular. Oh, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I would doodle a lot of Gremlins, a lot of, like, the old school uh, uh, Dracula from like the old black and white movies and the Wolfman and I was always watching a lot of those movies as a kid and um, so basically I was doing a lot of doodling of that kind of like random stuff you know and then uh, and then here comes uh, Web of Spider-Man the Craven's Last Hunt storyline and I, I was hooked from then on it was mostly me drawing superheroes uh, making up superheroes and drawing <laughs> sequential art in my bedroom as a kid. Nice. So, so it sounded like that love of kind of monsters and art combined. And once you got into Spider-Man, it just launched you into the world. Pretty of much. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I just recently uh, read uh, Craven's Last Hunt for the first time. Because people have been talking about it for years. And I just never read it as being one of the oh. seminal Spider-Man stories. That's it a is, fantastically yeah. dark and twisted story. It is. It, is a, it was my first introduction to the Spider-Man character outside of the Sunday Funnies. And um, he had a black costume, which is what got me, you know. And on the cover, he's he's coming out of the grave. Mm-hmm. And I think on the back, there's like a big tombstone on it that says, "Here lies Spider-Man," you know. Right. Oh yeah. And um, and it was such a weird, uh, very dark cover. And I guess I was just, you know, feeling bad or whatever. And so picked up the book, and I I started the story there, which is like a 
think it was kind of like the fourth part. I think it was like a six-issue storyline, right? So it was like the fourth part. So I came in in the middle of the story. I didn't really know what was going on. And I remember that after I got better, I started going to comic shops and picking up all the other issues to see what was going on to follow the story. And it was an amazing, amazing way to be introduced into the character of Peter Parker and Spider-Man and Craven. Especially great. since Spider-Man isn't in that, that, that run a lot. I know. <laughs> I know. It was great, though. Yeah, it yeah. Great, it was great. Story. I can't wait it's to see them do uh, Craven on the big screen. At some point, they got to do Craven on the big screen, right? They have to. It's such yeah. a seminal Spider-Man story. They have to. I don't see how they've avoided it this long. I know. It's, I know. it's just it's sitting there. You're like someone pick it up. Someone do it. Well, yeah. gentlemen, let's talk Souls Eternal. You know, um, I, I got a chance to read the first book. The uh, is a uh, Nami Children. And let's go. I don't want to spoil any of the because there are some spoilers. I really love the cliffhanger ending. Um, Thank you. But without talking about spoilers, give give our audience what is uh, Souls Eternal? What what is that that elevator pitch of this book? Do you do you want to go, Rob, or do you do you want me? Go ahead. You your soul. I know you. I know you love giving the elevator pitch. Like you. (laughs) (laughs) He does. He does. It's a book about a group of friends that came to Japan with their families, and they experience a tragedy. And it, when that tragedy happened, they lost someone that they loved. But when that tragedy had ended, they were left with power. And they now use that power to fight the darkness that took their friend. Essentially, that's the elevator. How'd I do, Rob? Is that pretty close, you think? Did good, yeah. Did good. Okay. Without giving too much away, yeah. That was pretty good. No, it's a great overview what this story is about to get people excited and into it. But... You know, uh, Bowden, the, the question I wanted to ask you is, have you, have you lived in Japan? Because you're pulling some source material here that makes me think that even your kanji and your hiragana in the background, that at least a lot of research has been done into this, if not um, uh, life experience living there. Do you speak Japanese? Can you, can you uh, read it? Let's see. Here we go. We have, watashi wa ego ga wakarimasuke. Rob was very nervous with some of the text in <laughs> book, and I'm glad that we're on point. Um, the, the lettering did a very good job because I think in the classroom scene was that you or was that Magnus Rob that did the lettering? No, that was that was me. Magnus. That was me. That was you. Okay, yeah. So it, yeah. I mean, I I have grew up loving the Japanese culture. I've never been to Japan. I mean, I grew up with anime, with beat Takeshi films, with Godzilla movies, and um, I've just always felt this kind of kindred spirit with Japan. And I think that's why, uh, you know, this project was a good fit for me, you know? Well, even even the title of your, your first book here, the Izanami um, uh, Children, the Izanami, isn't that a Japanese myth? Isn't that come from uh, it is. a Japanese deity? It is a Japanese. It's the goddess of creation, which I think that's a deep cut into uh, like a, I don't know if that's a Shinto origin story when it, yeah. when it comes to the, the, the Shinto belief. I, I'm uh, not sure which of the, what, what uh, religious faith it comes off of, um, but I, th- I believe it was like, like the, the, one of the two deities that were like created Japan or something like that. And when, you know, these myths, they always have several versions of them, like our Zeus or Apollo myths. Right. It, it is, yeah, and that definitely plays pretty central into what the book is about. The town is called the town of Azanami, and it bears a name to that creation myth, and that's 
why the name is similar and all this that plays a part of sort of the unfolding mystery of the book and the kids and how they got their powers and everything. So um, if you're picking up on that, that's that's awesome. But like you said, no spoilers. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. And I want to talk about this uh, this this uh, manga uh, style in here, uh, Roberto, uh, Roberto uh, because sure. it is it does have it's, it seems to be grounded in that kind of manga uh, art style, and yet there is flares of what we might see in DC and Marvel as more traditional uh, American house style. Uh, is this? Is this is this typically representative of the style that you prefer to draw in, or did you have to change your approach based on the story? And um, because uh, Bowden steeped it so much in <laughs> that Japanese culture. Well, prior to Bowden, uh, every time I've been asked to draw something, I was always asked to draw it in in, in another style, like a a more like what's what's in vogue. Style to what everyone, but Vodan was the one. He's he's known like what my natural style is f- the longest. And when we sat down and we started going over the, like the creation of this book, he's like, "This would be perfect for you. This this is sort of what I need you to bring to the table." And this is this is how I draw. This is me. This is my most comfortable style. This is where I I get to actually let let it all out uh, and and representative of what I how I really like to draw. It changes though, like. As Bonan will probably tell you in the later on, later on in the in the, in the book, it, as I get more comfortable with the characters, the art starts to become uh, different, but still the same, just more refined. It, I think it it evolves, but not in a jarring way. You know, um, the past couple of pages were, I mean, we're probably what seventy five percent into book two. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And the last couple of pages, I mean, he's he's amped it up, man. Like it's just it's so I'm I'm so in love with what we've been doing with this book. Um, but yeah, his his style. I mean, this and I wrote it, but this book is all Rob. Like without Rob, I, I would just be a, a shitty novelist. I'm sorry. Can I say? Oh, you can say yeah. You can say <laughs> titty, titty, whatever you want to say. <laughs> this would just be a really crappy novel. <laughs> You know, um, you talked about, uh, you know, finding the characters, Roberto, um, and mm-hmm. uh, Bowden, you are you are writing an ensemble piece here. I believe the characters Kelly, David, Emma, Jade? Correct. And so we do have, you know, it kind of reminds me the way you set it up, uh, something that, you you know, a trope you see a lot in, even in manga uh, or a lot of Japanese stories, like, you know, you have like a, like a Sailor Moon team or uh, Ronin Warriors or a... Uh, uh, Voltron, you know, like those yeah. <laughs> that team gets together, but it does become difficult to give. How, how difficult was it in giving everyone their moment? Each character establishing their identities is separate. At, at first, it was kind of difficult. You know, ensemble pieces are never easy. Um, I I grew up loving stuff like Power Rangers when I was a kid, and certainly when. Rob and I took this project on in in Japan. Power Rangers are called Sentai, which is like uh, I think it means like Super Task Force. I think is the the rough translation, and that was sort of the idea too was to create kind of like a team like that, but make them more focused on magical elements. Like Power Rangers and Harry Potter had a love child, right? In a way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, but really, like I I didn't really know the characters till Rob really got into the art 
with the concept designs. And once I actually saw these pages fleshed out, I saw the characters. That's when like their voices really started to resonate with me. Um, you know, and that all starts with like the concept art. Um, but like when I started David, I think was the character that I identified with the most just because he's, you know, a guy, but as we've gone on, I think Kelly is my favorite of the four. I mean, I don't know, Rob, do you, do you have a favorite of the kids? I do. Yeah, I do. I have a favorite. Who's your favorite? Um, my favorite these days is honestly, it's Jade, but yeah, really Kelly's Kelly's awesome. But Jade, I just like Jade. Um, well, I'm going to say very, Emma just so she doesn't feel left <laughs> out. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Emma, Emma is, is the best. Um, you know, my, my love of, like, retro video games and anime and stuff, like, that definitely is... Emma is, like, the avatar of me in the book to vent that stuff. Yeah, you do bring in a lot of those. At least in the, the first book here, there is a lot of video game reference at, at one point. Uh, not a, you know, they, they do explore that world uh, and they kind of... Uh, uh, rib each other on that a little bit. Roberto, you talked about, um, you know, uh, Bowden says, you know, it's really you that made the characters come alive for him with those concept mm-hmm. designs. One of the things that I saw in this first book, and what you typically see in, in first books or as an artist and a writer working together and they start, you get more and more issues out, but is um, the defining of the characters in their visual form. They became mm. more independent and more separate, I think, as that book went on. Um, yeah. You started to see um, facial expressions in certain characters uh, that were th- that were theirs. And how, yeah. how much, as an artist, do you have to pay attention to that, to making sure that, for example, as a, as a writer, writers have to pay attention to each character has their own unique voice. They have their own way of speaking. They have their own uh, quips. They have their own uh, foibles. Um, for you as an artist, um, how, how difficult or how much attention do you have to pay to that? A lot. It's, it's something that's always in the forefront of my mind because um, one of the things that uh, – it's very hard to do in, in, in illustrative, in the illustrative uh, format is differentiate one character from another, unless you go into a very hyper-realistic style, right? But if you're trying to be very uh, stylistic, kind of like Scotty Young or uh, Joe Mad or people like, or even me and some of my friends that I know that draw, it's very hard to, to really differentiate characters because you, you start to kind of have like this default like structure for a, a male and a female and then but but i think part of the process for me with this book was you know it helped that i did, got to design the characters it helped that i got to understand the characters and, and and know their backstory and know where they're headed and i got a feel for the characters through bodan's writing and i figured out okay well this character is, is a little more serious but not so serious that she's sticking the mud and this character is kind of mopey but she's at the in between stage where she's also a little more grown up too and then this character she's always very happy but maybe on the inside she actually has a little bit of a dark thing going on and you know so it's, that all helps, and, and then I, I try to keep it 
in the forefront that I have to try to differentiate them uh, with facial expressions and postures and stuff like that. So I do I do a lot of looking at people, <laughs> which is yeah. a little creepy yeah. when I'm out and about. But but yeah, I do a lot of looking at people because people are amazing. Like I hate theme parks. Like my wife, it's like the bane of my wife's existence that I hate theme parks because she loves theme parks. And living in Orlando, there's like a theme park every time you go outside. So. Uh, but the great thing about theme parks, though, is when you go there, there's people from all over, literally from all over, like Brazil, Mexico, Japan, China, Port- Portugal, and from everywhere. And you get to see how different people react to the same given situation. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Uh, ma'am, could you eat that corn dog a little slower and look at me in the eyes when you do so, please? <laughs> but the best part the best part is seeing people from the UK when they first come and see the fried turkey leg. It's oh, yeah. amazing. Time, because... Like a giant brown. I don't know if you guys used to watch uh, Flintstones, but you know, like the Brano Burger. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like they're very cartoony. Brano Burger, like whoa, and 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 they just have like these huge eyes, you know. And it's it's kind of comical. It's there fun. is there is something cartoony about chowing down on one of those big Renaissance <laughs> turkey legs. <laughs> Which oh, yeah. you get like halfway into it, and your stomach just just swells. You're just like that was a bad choice. That was a bad choice. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, Bowden, one of the things that I that I picked up on here uh, in in this first thing is this: the teenage dialogue. You know, your characters are teenagers. Uh, was this something that you had an ear for, or is this something that you had to go and just surround yourself with adolescents? Like, how did you um, uh, tackle you know writing this uh, teenage dialogue? I'm really immature. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I appreciate that if it seems like, you know, it, it rings true for people their age. I just, um, I just wrote. Um, I, I mean, it wasn't something where, like, I, I went to a high school dressed like a janitor or anything like that. God, that's creepy. I could have done a better job. That is creepy. Roberto, <laughs> staring at people at theme parks. You're moving into yeah. high schools. Guys, I don't know if I can, we can air this interview. Rob and I take <laughs> our, our research very seriously. Um, no, I mean, I just um, – uh, my I have a background in filmmaking as well, and uh, I just completed a 30-minute short film that is set in a high school as well. So I, I don't know if maybe a little bit of that kind of carried over – into this too, but um, no, it wasn't something with the book that I did any research or anything. You know, the the book is is fun. It, like it says, it has that sense of you know that 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 Power Ranger kind of. I mean, I I love the point where they you know when they're when they're going to transform. They literally use I believe it's the Japanese word for transform. It's like hentai, yeah. right? And I think, or maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong. No, say might, it again. I think it's henshin. Henshin, yes, yes, yeah. henshin sounds right. Um, and I love that because it, it, it brings me back to the days where that was – I mean that was what we did. Like, you know, it was like uh, by the sword of Grayskull or, you know, whatever it is. It has that – those moments that are very nostalgic for anyone who's been in into this um, comic book, anime, pop culture world. You give the audience those moments – but also you get the, you give you create a unique world uh, with a unique set of uh, villains. While they are magical, they, they're going to have their own origin, which I think is going to be revealed as you move on. So, what what are your plans for um, uh, Souls Eternal without giving away spoilers? Well, right now um, we are doing a three book story arc, which every book is going to be a fifty four page graphic novel. And uh, right now we're 
contracted up to do book three. And other than that, I mean, this is a world we would love to keep playing in. Excellent. And at that book three, uh, fans who follow the book, if, if, uh, if they want to, you know, uh, take this book on and read it at the end of that book three, will there be a complete story there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, we're we're not going to leave people hanging. Right. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, gentlemen, you know, it's been a pleasure to, I do want to make sure that we get people the information to, uh, um, uh, find the book where they can purchase it. I believe it's through uh, hashtag, correct? Rob, do you have that address? I don't have that online. Yeah, it's hashtag, uh, hashtag.com. Hashtag. I talked to our publisher uh, about today's interview, and he wanted me to let your listeners know that the book will be available um, after July 4th through the website. Um, after that, you can go into your comic book stores and order it. They can order it through Diamond. Um, beyond that, if anybody is in South Florida, uh, Tampa Bay Comic Con, which is the weekend of August 5th, we will be there and we'll have copies of the book available. And if anybody is in West Palm Beach, Palm Con is – oh my god, Martin. My, my friend with the promoter, he would kill me if I don't know the date. Um, <laughs> Palm Con is in September and we'll have copies of the book available for purchase there as well. If people want to pick it up, but beyond those two shows, you can get it in your comic book stores or you can go through hashtag.com after July. Um, hashtag July. comic. Sorry. Hashtag. hashtag comic. Comic. Thank you. Thank you. No, excellent. You know, I, I, either of those places is great. I say get it in your store or, you know, when you bring those comics into the the store you re- you get to bring in new titles. I really like getting the physical copy into an environment like that as well. But uh, hashtag comics dot com is another great way to get that. Go ahead, Roberto. Oh, I was just gonna say PalmCon uh, September twenty fourth and twenty fifth. Thank you, Rob. I was just googling it on my phone. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. <laughs> Rob Bowden, are, are, do you have are you on Twitter or any kind of social media where people can follow yes. you? Yes. 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 Rob, after you. Um, I'm I'm on Instagram, Twitter as Rob Torres. P is in Patty. S is in Sam. Um, and on Facebook, Rob Torres Art. And on Instagram and Twitter, you can find me at B N E S W I A C H E N Y at at B N S Wichini. My last name. Be in my last name. So you can follow me on social networking. Excellent, gentlemen. Well, I thank you so much for uh, letting me read the book. Uh, I'm excited to see where it goes to next. Uh, and I wish you guys the best of luck. Uh, we'll stay in touch. I want to hear about the success of the book. I want to. I want you guys back on. I want to see what happens to these characters. Cool. We got a little bit of a cliffhanger here. I got to see what's going on next. So uh, <laughs> thank you, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure today. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. All right. Uh, Travis, wonderful interview, sir. Thank you, sir. Masterful. You know what? I hardly did any of the work. It's those guys. You know, when you talk to uh, writers and artists, writers and artists, any creative people are, you know, are just easy to talk to. Yeah, they're usually pretty nice. Yeah. They're pretty nice, and they're usually pretty talkative. They will, yeah. they, they will, give, they will give you up Who to doesn't you. like to talk about their work? Yeah, who doesn't like to talk about themselves? And really, exactly. when you interview someone, an artist, that's all you're doing. You're like, hey, buddy, yeah. tell me about yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What have you been up to? I guess you could do it like in a way of like, I guess you could do it really stale and be like, I want to talk to you first 
about your influences. <laughs> what are your you want to go like very? Uh, what's the guy's? What's the guy's uh, name? Dude, like that bear documentary. No, um, like what's the actors' guild inside the actors' studio? I was thinking like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Lip, Lips. yeah, uh, Lipton, Lipton, James Lipton, James Lipton. Let's let's start with your influences. In 1974, <laughs> you were in the comedy. <laughs> what is your favorite curse word? <laughs> Did you ask him that? Did you ask him what their, what their favorite curse word is? You heard the interview. Did I ask him that, Josh? <laughs> no, you didn't. You no. Didn't. All right, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to the Comic Exposure Podcast. Uh, you can find us at Comic Exposure on the Twitter, so at Comic Exposure. You can find us on the interwebs, www.comicexposure.com. I don't know why I say the W's. The W's are pretty, like, I like knows it. are there. Stay it. I Keep think it's it. just fun Keep to it. say www. Yeah. www.comicexposure.com. You can listen to all our old episodes. You can check in on Comic Book Summer, listen to the episodes you missed. If you haven't bought the books, go get them. Uh, read them. Listen to the show. Tell us what you think about them. Uh, we always love to hear what you guys think, so tweet us out uh, on the internet. Uh, on Twitter, or you can email us, comicexposure at gmail.com. If you've got a question, there's something you want us to talk about on one of these bullshit episodes, send it our way. We want to talk about dumb stuff. Yeah. Send us your, send us your you questions. You just heard this episode. You know in it's fact, dumb. In fact, here's what I'm going to do. I threw down the gauntlet earlier, and I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and write us a review. I'm going to open up the boot crate even farther, Travis. I'm okay. going to open up the boot crate even yeah. farther. If you send us a question... That we read on the show. Okay. To comicexposure at mm-hmm. gmail.com. Okay. It's a worthy question. It's not like, okay. what sort of shoes do you wear? It's not like that. Okay. It's a quality, well thought out question. I mean, I don't know what that means, but it's a question okay. that you and I feel we're going to read on the air. Okay. Once we read it on the air, they're in the boot crate drawing list. Okay, I like it. They're in the I list. I like it. So send us your really, questions. It doesn't really help us out with advertisers, but I mean, it is. You know what? It's a noble cause. It is. And, and this is this just goes to show I don't think many people are going to send us questions. Oh, are you are you daring them? Are I'm you, daring. Are you spitting in the I'm face spitting, of nerds. I'm pissing in the wind <laughs> of nerds. So uh, send us your questions. Rate us on iTunes. Get yourself on that boot crate, boot crate uh, possible drawing. Preferably five stars. I mean, we'll still put you in if you if you write a shitty review. Yeah, if you write a shitty review, we're we'll still going to put, gonna you, put in you in because we're good people. Yeah, we are we're better than you. But we will take a shit in that box. <laughs> we'll take a shit in your box. Gonna, if you win and you're a one star review, you're getting my shit. You're getting your shit, and not just my shit that I'm getting out of my house, but a literal shit. shit. Yeah, and it's going to be like a beer shit. I'm going to just get wasted. I'm just going to drink. Before. I'm going to drink porter and like <laughs> double chocolate box all night. <laughs> that stuff's going to be sludgy, brah. <laughs> All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to the Comic Exposure Podcast, and we'll see you next trade. Bye.